<laughs> I wasn't going to touch it. Sorry. Thank you. This is a reading, um, a poem by Walter Brueggemann. We are ready to listen. Healing sovereign God, overmatch our resistant ears with your transforming speech. Penetrate our jadedness and fatigue. Touch our yearnings by your words. Through your outloudness, draw us closer to you. We are ready to listen. Amen. A reading from Isaiah 56. These are the words of the Lord. Maintain justice and do what is right. For my deliverance is close at hand and my victory will soon be revealed. Blessed is the person who follows these precepts, who holds fast to them, who keeps the Sabbath unprofane and who keeps his hand from all wrongdoing. The foreigner. The foreigner who has given his allegiance to the Lord must not say, the Lord will exclude me from his people. The eunuch must not say, I am not but a barren tree. These are the words of the Lord, the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose to do my will, who hold fast to my covenant, will receive from me something better than sons and daughters, a memorial and a name in my own house and within my walls. I shall give them everlasting renown, an imperishable name. So too with the foreigner who give their allegiance to me, to minister to me, to love my name, to become my servants, all who keep the Sabbath unprofane and hold fast to my covenant. These I shall bring to my holy hill and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. This is the word of the Lord God, who gathers those driven out of Israel. I shall add to those who have already been gathered. So we've been going through these four chapters of Isaiah. You've heard two of them, 55 and 56, and you will hear two more, 57 and 58. And I was asked to make a personal reflection on them, um, on one or many or whatever speaks to me. And just now, you know, as I was preparing this afternoon, putting the slides together, I thought of another connection to make. And just now, I thought of an even more condensed way to think about these in that the Lord is basically telling us to not be selfish, that it's not just his chosen people, but that outsiders are welcome, that um, the Sabbath is not just for us to do what we want, but to do justice for the Lord, to serve others, <coughs> to help the weak, the low, and that God also lives with the low and the contrite, and not just with those who who, 
who make show of how holy they are. And then in, in resting on the Sabbath, you know, we often think, well, that's a day we need to do nothing because that's what the Lord said. But something I've read recently um, expanded on the idea that the Sabbath just isn't lazy resting. It's God started his work on that seventh day and we're to join in his work. It's a, it's a time to, to put our trust and our rest in the Lord as we follow him and to do his work, as you'll hear in the next couple of passages. That the Sabbath he wants is not just for us to lay back, but for us to follow him in. And the fastings is not just for us to say, look, I didn't eat lunch today, but to do justice for other people. So to not be selfish and just look upon what we've done or what we can do, but what the Lord asks us to do for others. And as Wes will speak about in a couple of moments, a group of us did that yesterday where we blood, sweat, and maybe some tears were, were given in the service of others. A reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 57. It shall be said, build up, build up, remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with those who are contrite and humble in spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not continually accuse, nor will I always be angry, for then the spirits would grow faint before me, even the souls that I have made. Because of their wicked covetousness, I was angry. I struck them, I hated and was angry. But they kept turning back to their own ways. I have seen their ways, but I will heal them. I will lead them and repay them with comfort, creating for the mourners the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to the near and to the far, says the Lord, and I will heal them. I'm, I'm Wes Reed, and I'm going to share a little bit about some things that we did yesterday. And uh, many of you have probably heard of Men of Valor Academy. It's a ministry, nonprofit, kind of near the Oakland Coliseum on International Boulevard, uh, where about 50 men it's tr pro are provided transitional housing and a program um, that involves employment and some other things. It's, it's a, a church-based ministry. It was formed by... Um, uh, Axful Gospel, which is a large Pentecostal church in, in Oakland. Um, and uh, most of the men there are formerly incarcerated. A lot of them come directly when they're released on parole. Part of their contingency of their parole is that they come, they have a choice of programs and they choose this one. Um, and so yesterday, uh, I don't know if we got any pictures, but a bunch of us, 20 some odd of us, uh, gathered um, there to spend a day painting. 
and it was joyous and exciting in a lot of ways. And not necessarily that many of us were crammed in a very sweaty, greasy kitchen, <laughs> almost at arm's length from each other, trying to um, rejuvenate it, <laughs> um, which we did successfully do after many hours, a little slower than we thought. Um, and we were able to paint some offices there and do those things. And um, thanks to everybody who came and everybody who uh, donated some of their equipment, or Charlene who made lunch for us, or all those kinds of things. It was it was a really uh, happy, fun time for me, at least. And um, on the one hand, we're able to take something that was pretty grungy and kind of rejuvenate it for them, and it was a very concrete kind of thing. On the other hand, we're able to have the joy of being together. And um, on on the weekends at Men of Valor, a lot of the men are out and about. They they get passes, and they're not so many of them are there, but there may be a dozen of them around, and. Um, just all the interactions we have with them, and they're always so consistently welcoming of us. And they were doing, there was a lot of storytelling going on and all kinds of things going on on the sides. And they were joining in with the meals with us. And then about, uh, well, we thought we'd finish 3, 3.30, but about 4.30 when we we're still cleaning, the few of us who were, you know, whatever, some of us were in it for the long haul. Um, happily so. And some people came in the afternoon just to, just to do that part of the work. Um, uh, but they, they came up to me and like, Wes, Wes, you know, uh, we want to buy you pizza. Can we buy your crew pizza? Wouldn't you like to stay for some pizza? <laughs> and so we had, you know, we had a good pizza. We were, we were there until about six, you know, eating and talking and, and having a lot of fun. So it was a great day. And, and I think in reflection, sort of tying back to um, Isaiah, um, Isaiah, Isaiah has really spoke to me. And it, it I can read a lot of, um, oh, look, there are, there's Abby. Great shot. Um, <laughs> um, you know, Isaiah speaks a lot about what, what really brings us life, and in particular sort of, uh, Joyce is going to talk about what is the fast that I choose? You know, what is the religious observance that God really is looking for with us? And, and there's a story in Isaiah of some people who are checking all the boxes, right, who are doing the fasting and sacrifices and going to the, the temple or whatever it was. They were checking all the religious boxes, but there was something hollow about their faith. It wasn't really paying off for them. And, um, and, and the fast that, that God chooses is to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the, th the throngs and the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, that there is something about justice that is so key to our relationship with God, and that when we ignore it, we start checking the boxes, and we're not really living out the things that God has for us. And um, one of the things that was exciting about this particular, this particular uh, time wow. <laughs> at, at, at Men of Valor is um, I noticed that for many, many, of the, many of us who came, that um, we already knew the names of some of the people there. And people were recognizing us. And they're saying, oh, I remember when you came and you did this. Or I remember when you were here for the optometry day. Or you were here for the game night. Or remember when we played Pinochle. Or, you know, and... Um, there, there, there was, uh, there's relationship forming, and I think those buzz of relationship are really encouraging to me because um, the picture in Isaiah is of, you know, the negative picture in Isaiah is of a people who are in their religious observance are very far from understanding justice. And I think that relationship, and particularly that connection, there are many ways to do justice, and we can earn money and give it, and that's great, and we can advocate and sort of say what's right and work in the political process and, and all those kinds of things and we can serve. But I think relationship is a really key part of justice because it trues us up to what's really going on and to people who are 
maybe otherwise would be far from our, our social and cultural location. Um, and without that, we kind of lose track. We kind of lose sense of what it's about, and we lose sense of what really might work. You know, our theories about what's good and who we are uh, need to be kind of trued up by relationship. And so I'm excited to see that happening there. A reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 58. Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repair of broken walls, restore of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. So as Ron said, we have been 
reading and studying these four chapters from the book of Isaiah um, over these past weeks. And when um, we started the series, Pastor Gary talked about how special the book of Isaiah was to him. Uh, so special that he named his son after Isaiah. And when he was born, son, not prophet, um, he read the entire book of Isaiah over him as a blessing, the hard parts, the hard bits, and the um, uh, consoling bits, which seems very Gary to me. Um, and, uh, and when he proposed the series, he didn't have a particular goal in mind. He believed strongly that just in reading this book out to one another and to study it, that God would manifest his purposes in it. Um, and it's been exciting to me because Isaiah is actually quite a special book to me as well. I became a Christian when I was 21, and <clears throat> at the time, my life was kind of like crisis mode every day, and I was in a Bible study with other believers studying a gospel, which was the first exposure I'd had to the Bible, but on my own, I also wanted to study something, and this is the book that I chose. Kind of an odd choice, perhaps, for a brand new baby Christian, um, but there were a couple reasons I did it, and one of them probably was that kind of anachronistic sort of thing where I just want to do the hard thing, because I don't know, I have that in me. But the second reason was because of, I felt really desperate. A lot of really difficult things were happening. And my understanding of the prophets was that their role was to speak a true word from God to a people who really needed to hear it and point the way back to Jesus. And that sounded just like what I needed. And so I read Isaiah 58, um, I mean, the book of Isaiah. <clears throat> and throughout the course of reading that over several months, there were two sort of complementary threads that were really kind of arising for me. And the first was that in following in Jesus, I would experience my greatest and everlasting delight. I was convinced of that. There's so much that we read just even today that points to that. Um, in chapter five, uh, 55, the part that Josh read, there are these words. I actually went back to my Bible from those days, and I had marked these up. This is from five, um, Isaiah 55, verses 12 through 13. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And for a girl who had a lot of briar and a lot of thorn in her life, that was a very powerful promise of the life to come. But the other thread was that following Jesus would be challenging because you cannot truly follow Jesus and remain unchanged. And <clears throat> there's something about the book of Isaiah that strips away the trappings. It strips away the trappings that kind of clutter our view of God so that you can see the pure heart of God, his love for his people, his desires and hopes for them. But it strips away stuff in us too. It exposes our conceits, our posturing, um, the things in us that become hindrances or barriers to being able to enter into those promises more fully. 
And I looked back to see if what ones in these passages had struck me at that time and was a little disturbed about how they still strike me today. <laughs> um, in my family at the time, uh, none of us were followers of Jesus and our whole sort of religion was to be really good people. Sort of a common theme for lots of people, but definitely our religion. And I was looking at Isaiah 57, which is the passage that Chrissy read just before what she read, and I found these two verses that I had highlighted. Verses 12 through 13. I will concede your righteousness and your works, but they will not help you. The wind will carry them off. A breath will take them away. But whoever takes refuge in me shall possess the land and inherit my holy mountain. Doing good, that was not a challenge. Trusting in someone else, that was a challenge. So the book of Isaiah has this duality where we are invited in to the promises of what his kingdom in its fullness is like, and also challenged to strip away the artifice of what it means to follow God and enter into his true purposes. I want to tell a quick story about how I experienced that at that age of 21. It's kind of an odd story, but it's deeply related to Isaiah 58, so I thought I would share it. Which is, at that time, so I was 21, had a lot of things not going well, except that I was finally following Jesus, so yay. <laughs> but one of the things that was going on is I was in the midst of an undiagnosed and unaware myself eating disorder that would last 30 years. And one of the things that I was doing at the time is I was involved in a kind of a weight loss program and was sort of manipulating it to the extreme so that I was eating as little as possible and exercising as much as possible. And some friends had introduced me to the idea of fasting, not through Isaiah, but just the concept. And I was like, oh, fasting, tell me more. And uh, so I decided to incorporate fasting into my already deeply reduced intake. And so once a week, I was fasting. And I had some reasons that were really, hmm, some mixed reasons, let's say. The one reason that I vocalized and understood was that I thought it would be a way that I could grow in knowing God, trusting him more, and learning to pray. And the other ones were much more about control. But I didn't know those, and I couldn't have voiced them. Um, I will say, just so you know, some professionals in this weight loss arena had some concerns, but all you have to do is say, it's for my religion, and they don't touch it, so no problem. <laughs> so I was doing this for several months, and then I came across Isaiah 58. And when I read it, there was something in me that the text stirred that made me realize that maybe this isn't the fast that God would have chosen. That my decision and my interest in fasting was about what I wanted and not what God was calling me to. It was a scary and tender moment. And so I prayed, I prayed that God would convert this fast into one that would please him. So I could be one of those people who yeah, was a justice-seeking, fasting kind of gal. And it was interesting that almost immediately, 
Within a week, I think, I felt physically and psychologically incapable of denying myself food. Like all of a sudden, I couldn't fast even if I had wanted to. And I felt heartbroken because I felt like my fast was for God, that I was trying to do this thing for God. And all of a sudden, I couldn't do it. And after many weeks of despairing about this, I felt God speak a word to me, which is that I have heard your cry, and I am answering you. And that was really hard for me. And yet, in time, with maturity, I could look back and see that God was teaching me to fast as he would choose me to, teaching me to fast in a way that wasn't about my self-interest, but about his interests and his purposes, and at the same time, setting me on a pathway towards healing about something that was a thorn and a briar in my life. So that's the gift of scripture, and that's the gift of the prophet. It's an opportunity to have the text that God embodies speak blessing to you and caution and possibility and transformation. I'm going to close with another reading from Walter Brueggemann. And this too is a prayer. So let us listen in an attitude of prayer. We are children of another world. Father, for the mystery of the text and for the history of eyes to see and ears to hear the text, we give you thanks. Our eyes are scaled and our ears are uncircumcised and we are children of another world. We pray for the gift of perception. We pray for energy and courage that we may not leave the text until we wrench your blessing from it. Amen. <laughs>